Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. And I'm John Lacombe. Uh, Scuzz is off this week, uh, taking a much needed vacation and uh, apologies for missing the last little bit. Uh, summer vacation started, you know, I kids are out of school everything kind of gets put up in the air we haven't really had a chance to get back and talk a little uh softball i just well i just feel bad for poor scuzz because i mean like the guy a he's on vacation b he doesn't have the energy to come on the pod the poor guy just wants to to rest and swim he's down on the alabama shore and these damn alabama fans just won't let him alone how can we get a top five recruiting class? What can we do to be top five in the country recruiting? It's just leave him alone, okay? Northwestern secrets aren't for sale like that, okay? Um, you just have to earn it. Um, so, you know, poor, poor Scuds, but hopefully he's found some, some peace and quiet. Uh, a lot going on uh, to catch up on, uh, you know, primarily the, uh, the World Series, uh, Women's College World Series, uh, Northwestern. Went out um, fighting hard. I mean, like, at all the credit in the world to them, uh, played with Oklahoma, a team that is maybe one of the best college softball teams ever. Like, that's not that's not parable to say that. That team is insane. And we hung with them for a little while. The So, Northwestern's initial grouping, right, in the Women's College World Series included three of the final four teams to, to be alive in the Women's College World Series. The Cats were in by far the harder side of the draw, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the the team on the other side of the draw, who I think most people had their eye on, was Oklahoma State, who was the fourth team to get in. And, you know, just to remind everybody, those teams that I just mentioned, Northwestern didn't play Texas, didn't play Oklahoma, beat UCLA at the start of the regular season, and of the non-conference season, and lost, I think, by one to Oklahoma State in a game that mm-hmm. the Cats were leading, I believe, in the sixth inning. So those are all the best teams in the country right there. It's that tiny group, and Northwestern was part of that tiny group. And, you know, right, they they came out and got their clocks cleaned by Oklahoma. And you know what? Um, so did literally every Everyone team Everyone else. Yeah. There was that thing I think you sent us. You sent that graphic out that I think four, four Oklahoma batters drove in more runs this year than Oklahoma as a team gave up. Um, yes. Which is, I mean, and they they run-ruled Texas in the final championship series and then blew them out a second time also. So, And know. and then, I mean, UCLA, they were all over. Oh, was it UCLA? Wait, hang on. Well, UCLA, because of the double elimination format, UCLA beat Oklahoma to everyone's shock. Right, and their reward was to thirty minutes later have to play Oklahoma again, and Oklahoma run ruled them, and yeah. yeah. So I mean, like that, that, no one was getting past that team, and definitely no one was doing it twice. Right. I mean, congr- congrats to UCLA for winning one of them, but whew, right, that team is like that team is insane, and we held the lead. Yeah, Rachel Lewis. Rachel Lewis, get getting it done. Um, you know. To, to have a lead against Oklahoma was is, is something, you know, you can't shake your stick at it. And well, Sydney, Sydney Supley goes in and strikes out Jocelyn Allo. Right. Like the best hitter in like 
softball history. Again, not an overstatement. She comes in, you know, the, the game is completely in hand at this point, but she comes in and, and smokes her. Right. And again, it's like, <clears throat> we talked about this so much coming out of the Super Regional, coming into the Women's College World Series, but it's really clear. I mean, the if you compare this particular run and you look at the teams that made it all the way to the final, it's really clear that the Pac-12 was severely undervalued with the seeding and that the Southeast was severely overvalued with the seeding. And it's really important to, to understand this because it just doesn't happen year to year in softball. Unseeded teams storming the College World Series is just not something that happens regularly speaking. The seeding was a mess this year. And Northwestern was in the year when the seeding was the mess, one of those very underseeded teams. And frankly, so was Arizona State. And both of those teams should have, you know, A, been in separate super regionals, and B, both punched their ticket to the Women's College World Series. But with that said, I mean, right, by just given the way that the deck was stacked against them coming in, the fact that they won the Evanston Regional and that just titanic performance in Tempe. Just to make it, you know, I mean, I know the team was competing for a national championship until the very end, but it was all gravy. I mean, earning the trip was everything, and they Mm -hmm. they put together a couple great moments. And the crowd. Yeah, I was just about to say, credit to the Northwestern faithful who went down there, Mm -hmm. and while completely overwhelmed in numbers, hung, like, they made their presence felt. Like, you could hear it on the broadcast when Northwestern did anything good. That pocket of purple that was just right there behind the dugout was going absolutely bonkers and really, really cool to see. And credit to the Women's College World Series, too, for understanding, look, Northwestern can only get so many people in here, but they're all getting good seats because we're not going to have one of our teams get totally, you know, blocked out of the stadium because one of the other teams just brings so many fans. So Northwestern had really good seats. I mean, like their first baseline, third baseline, and those those fans. Which again, the former Northwestern, the Northwestern softball alums and that greater community came out in full force. I mean, it was right. It was just phenomenal. So Northwestern put on a heck of a show. They they showed out. They made their presence felt in Oklahoma City. And and again, right as as we said off the top, in a tournament, only one team was ever winning. Uh, yeah, the cats showed up and they, you know, put put out a great performance, and it was a worthy ending to just this unbelievable season. And just before we hit play, uh, before we hit record tonight, um, breaking news. I mean, this is, I mean, a- athletically, it's it's hard to remember a big, a bigger COVID related athletic thing than this yeah. in terms of extensions of of time, like. And, and all the credit to, to Northwestern Softball for releasing this before we hit record instead of after. <laughs> Thank uh, you. So, so we were actually able to talk about it tonight. Nikki Cochran, Maeve Nelson, Jordan Rudd, Skylar Schellmeyer, Danielle Williams, five seniors on this team all coming back next year. So we're going to run this thing back. Um, obviously, Rachel Lewis is moving on and you know, absolutely well. You know, Congratulations to her on an incredible career. She's going to go play pro softball now, right? Incredible career for Rachel Lewis. Um, and, you know, all the best. To, uh, you wish her nothing but the best of success at the next level because she's going to play in the next level. That's really cool. But uh, c- 
Cochran, Nelson, Rudd, Shellmeyer, Williams coming back. That's like that. Oh my god! I think it's, it's run it back. It's it is. It's crazy, and I think for, so for a couple of reasons. I confess that I had just assumed like we were all very aware that they all had this year of eligibility left, and I think I confess that I just assumed it wasn't going to happen, and. The reason was, you know, one, it's, it's you know, I don't claim to know what anyone's decisions are or anything, but obviously you're thinking of, you're earning, earning a Northwestern degree, they've earned a Northwestern degree, they're thinking of, you know, the world is their oyster, they're thinking about, you know, whatever else they want to pursue academically, be it, you know, graduate degrees or, or anything else, right? Um, and just, you couldn't really think of a more storybook ending to a career than the one that they just had, that's by no means saying... Don't run it back and do it again. We all support that. Um, and then maybe also a little piece of the fact that, you know, we've we've done this dance with football so long. And with football, there is the siren song of the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. no matter how long the odds are, and this applies not just to Northwestern, this is any guys anywhere. If the NFL's a chance and it's an opportunity... There hasn't. There's just not a kid who hasn't been dreaming of that opportunity their entire life. And if they have a chance, however small, they're going to try to take that chance. And if you've got a guy who's you know done four years, he's got his degree, and he's thinking about a potential fifth year that he might have for COVID, but he knows there's a chance at the NFL, there's a really good chance he's going to take that shot at the NFL, right? We've seen that happen. We've seen it happen with Northwestern guys. Um, and that's and again, it's it's apples and oranges, football and softball. But I think that got into the back of my mind. And in reality, these are just five awesome players who love Northwestern and love playing together and have the opportunity to play another year and do something really special. And we're like, yeah, we're just going to come back. And it's so, I mean, yeah. And, and and you look at the World Series and the first the first two words that pop into my head is like unfinished business. Right. Right? Because well, like... R- you, you, you're running everything back. You were in the World Series this past year. There's no reason to think this team is, I mean, with everyone back, it seems going to be phenomenal next year. And it's other things. Suddenly, another little piece of news that we had sort of talked about right in the wake of the College World Series, that suddenly, you know, it jumps into the my forefront of my mind is Michigan's best pitcher, who won the Big Ten Pitcher of the Year Award the year before Danielle Williams won it this past season, is transferring out of the Big Ten to Oklahoma. So A, Oklahoma reloading, yeah. or not that they are. But B, that's that was Northwestern's you know, chief rival last year, arguably, in conference, right? I mean, Nebraska was there too as well, but... Mm-hmm. It's you're talking about a big piece leaving the conference, and and of course we lose Rachel Lewis, like you said, huge loss. But I mean, this is returning the entire core of this team, and I mean, I mean, Big Ten Pitcher of the Year and the first Gold Glove winner, you know, for a catcher in NCAA history. That's your battery that's coming back next year. So I mean, l- Lordy, what, and, what a you great know, group. Not- not to mention all of the, the all the first years this year who got playing time, who got in there, and you, you got a recruiting class coming in next year, like, right? I I, I, I don't know who they are, um, because my my recruiting knowledge on high school softball is is not very deep. Um, <laughs> we we're gonna, I mean, Sammy, real talk. We should just be scanning back through our followers because I think we have a pretty strong relationship. I just, I just have to remind myself who, you know, 
these these people are. I mean, they're they're. I know they're great girls because we've had some sort of interactions. We're just gonna have to go back through. Um, but kind of to the to the related point too. I mean, again, not to give short shrift to, to any of these five. These are five and you legends right here. But I just think too that Maeve and Skyler are, in addition to phenomenal players, hearts and minds players, uh, and like super TV friendly players with the dancing and just the, the way they conduct themselves every game. Um, they're just so, they're literally just like the fun meters cranked up to 10 with those two, every single game, all game long. And they're like, in terms of just like what, just walking advertisements for the game in terms of look how much fun this is. Yeah. And, and, and it's infectious because like right. you see that throughout the entire team, right? Like everyone is out there having fun. Exactly. And I think, you know, the, there was so much exposure between the super regional and then the, the women's college world series that this is going to be a team that ESPN is going to circle next year and be like, get these guys on these ladies on TV as much as possible because this team is stacked with talent. They love playing together and they're really having fun. And it's just, you know, they're anytime you can say that, you know, this is always true with Northwestern athletics, but when it's a national consensus that a Northwestern team is a walking advertisement for what the game is supposed to be, that's what you want. And that's what Northwestern softball is. So, yeah. And, and you, you can pretty much guarantee that the, all the pre, like all of the big preseason tournaments or right. the, the non-conference tournaments that uh, you know are February and March games, we're going to be in like the biggest ones. We mm-hmm. were like, we, we saw some of the best teams this year. We're going to see them again next year. Well, and, and, plus and probably more. The St. Pete's Invitational, Mary Nutter Classic. You think they're letting Northwestern not go to those tournaments next year? Like, yeah, right. Those are, those are some of the moments of the, of the entire softball season. So, right. It's, it's awesome. And, and Sammy, you know, we're looking at another nice, relaxing spring next spring. Nice. No, nice. <laughs> I feel like, you know, 10, you know, what, 11, 12 years ago when we drew this thing up, we were thinking, we'll go just so hard in the winter. And then the spring, we'll sort of take it easy and then we'll refocus. And it's like, nope, not as long, not as long as Northwestern spring sports teams are going to just keep it, you know, staying in God mode for the entire spring. Then we really have no, no breaks, no time off, but we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, as we begin to, well, and not even begin to, but as we do our hard pivot into football season, I mean, that, that's just right upon us. But, uh, before we do that, uh, if you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients, no fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group, compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com. Or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats. And with that, um, I think we can close the book on the spring and turn our attention to the fall. Um, our summer our summer previews are fast approaching. Uh, and, you know, definitely excited for that. Uh, but before we even talk about that, there's still 
there's recruiting news to talk about. You know, it just since never we, stops. Since we were, it, it, you know, th- this recruiting class is it was already insane and just got even more insane. Uh, Kent McGee, a tight end out of Orlando, and Ashton Porter, uh, defensive end out of Cypress, Texas, uh, both have committed uh, in June so far. And my goodness, these yeah. two, oh my God. Well, it's it's wild. First of all, we'll we'll kind of we'll go in in order to which they committed, right? Um, Camp McGee was first, and I look at Camp McGee and I kind of juxtapose him first of all with Chris Petrucci, who was our tight end commit from the class before, who was local. But what they both share in common is both of them um, look almost more like Ben Skoranek than they do like, I think, what a lot of you have in your head as a tight end. These are tall, lanky pass catchers who can move. Now, yeah, are they both going to put on a bunch of weight? Sure they are. They, I mean, they're 6'5 and 6'6". For all we know, they could still be growing, right? But they are both pass-catching tight ends. And I think we've kind of talked about this, that this is something that Mike Bajakian over the years has thrown, you know, his teams have thrown tons of balls to tight ends, and that has dropped off when he's been at North, you know, certainly this past year, John Rain caught a lot of balls the year before, but again, that kind of reinforces the point. John Rain was a pass catching, you know, almost our throwback H back type tight end. Well, these guys are pass catchers. And if you look at Camp McGee and you look at his tape, he's played out wide a ton as like this six, six towering wide receiver. And he projects as a tight end. So that's the first thing. I mean, again, we talked about it, call him a tight end, call him a wide receiver, whatever, but he's going to be calling for the ball in the end zone and you're going to be throwing him jump balls because he's enormous and he's, you know, he's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, and this is just to show you how far Northwestern recruiting has gone. Is a kid from Orlando. Exactly. He had, he had a Miami offer. Mm-hmm. Which he had is... an offer to, to basically stick it around town. I mean, Orlando to Miami is not necessarily right around town, but it's just up the road. And, you know, he, he so he has this Miami offer. Uh, offers from a bunch of uh, other schools up and down the East Coast, Maryland, Pitt, uh, Rutgers, Vandy, BC, Duke, uh, just to you know, name a few, Indiana, Iowa State, and uh, Vatek, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And you know, to, to pull a kid from Florida away from Miami, that's right. a big deal. It's a huge deal. And we're talking about this, and again, we're not blind to the fact that the landscape has changed and that these are not the halcyon days for Miami and Florida State. But still, we have six guys in this class who could have been Hurricanes or Knowles who chose to commit to Northwestern instead. And it is. You're, you're absolutely right. It's a huge deal. A, guy, a kid from Orlando choosing to come to Chicago instead of going to Miami is yeah is a massive deal. So, yeah, it's it's a huge barometer. It's a barometer for where the program is in terms of visibility and in terms of the ability to to bring recruits in and make an impact. But again, also Camp McGee is a a offensive weapon, a pass catcher tight end um, who I can't wait to see play. And then there's Ashton Porter. <laughs> oh wait, there was another uh, Oh yeah, yeah, right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Four-star four defensive end out of Cypress, Texas, 26 offers. I mean, he's Again, uh, this is a kid from Texas. Holding on to an offer from the University of Texas. Yep. Not not to mention like Texas Tech, uh 
uh, Tennessee, SMU, Oklahoma State, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Michigan State, Miami again. We just beat Miami for another recruit. Um, Kansas, K-State, Houston, Colorado, Cal, Baylor, Arizona, Arizona State, Arkansas, like major SEC schools, major ACC schools, uh, Michigan State he had an offer from. So Big Ten schools. And he's coming to Northwestern. He took an official visit to Texas on April 23rd, and then he was part of the legendary visit on May 13th and was like, nope, this is what I'm about. Northwestern is what I'm about. Went to Texas first, then went to Northwestern and was like, no, no, this is what I'm after. Which, I mean, what more can you say? So that's the first part. Um, the You know, there's the piece that we talked about a while ago where we always kind of bristled at the fact that um, Justin Cryer, Juice Cryer, and Ashton Porter were always viewed as kind of a package deal from the beginning only because Juice Cryer's awesome. And, I mean, he's really good and is going to be a big-time player for Northwestern at middle linebacker. And I was always like, I, I just bristle at any suggestion that like Juice Cryer is part of the road to Ashton Porter just because each of these guys is individually so good. It, it you know reminds me of like when I think of of you know the quote unquote Katie triplets when Northwestern was recruiting them and how Colin Wilder was the highest rated of those recruits and was a four star recruit and ended up going to Wisconsin and we got the other two. And the other two were Patty Fisher and Travis Willick. And it's like, so it's like, don't make the mistake of like looking at guys as a package deal when individually they're so good. And it's it's the same kind of thing. But with all that said, Porter is an incredible player. He is, I mean, we compared him to Mason Robinson because they both play a lot of right end. They're both 6'3". They're both unstoppable forces with all of the technique you want to see from a right end. But it's just, it's everything. It's not any one thing. They're just terrors coming off the right end who other teams can't deal with with multiple players. I mean, they're, it's like the guy. It's the guy you circle on the calendar. How do we deal with him, right? And then they're not able to deal with him. And Porter is just, yeah, he's a freight train. I think a lot of people are looking at Mason Robinson and Ashton Porter and folding Antosaka into that trio, um, who you know who's a year older. But looking and being like, these three guys look like unstoppable. They just look like freight trains. Like you look at these three guys and it's like, I don't know how you block these guys. So yeah, it's and again, these are right. You like you said. I mean, it's it's Texas. It's a million schools. This was a blue chip player who, again, you know, Northwestern added to a class that is not done yet. Yeah, 18 total commitments right now. Again, as we record this um, on the evening of June 16th, currently ranked number four in the country. Um, again, we'll, we'll couch that. You know, the major, major recruits have not committed yet, and you know, that number is going to come down because it will. But, none, you know, notwithstanding, this is on paper – the best recruiting class in Northwestern history, definitely in Pat Fitzgerald's history. It is. I mean, it's it's up there, and again, a lot of people have talked about the four stars. But if you just look at rivals' rankings, you have all these four stars, and then you have a whole slew of guys who are really close to being rated as four star guys. Um, and <clears throat> it's their 
there are certain guys where like like a Dylan Senda, who was a massive recruit, who was arguably the best center in the country, who had a Michigan offer, and like Tyler Gant, who looks like an absolute just like monster. Damon Walters, the number one defensive player in the state of Illinois, the aforementioned Camp McGee. And then you have guys where like Nigel Glover, Rivals has him, you know, rated as like a a 5.6, just below that. 24-7 has him as a four-star recruit. So it's, you know about the top guys. This is a really deep class too. I mean, it's, it's, it's stacked. This class is stacked with guys. Um, And right to the point that, it's there are certain names out there who could theoretically be added to this class still that are only going to improve it even more is just ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, like, I we don't know how many scholarships there are out there. I think with the with the COVID year, that's just really kind of you know who knows. And like Northwestern's never been all that forthcoming with how many offers are out and how many offers they have. Um, you know how many how big the class will be at the end of the day. So. Uh, still a lot of time left to come uh, before the early signing period in December. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get more. Like the, this, we're not done. No. You know, the the class is not done, and you know the, there's some big names out there that are very very closely tied. Or a lot of people think have a real real good chance of becoming Wildcats as well. Right. Exactly. And again, it's like we don't, we don't know. We don't know if anything's. I mean, obviously. Um, PJ Adeware, right? Tommy's younger brother is one of the major names out there. He was on that five thirteen visit, right? Um, and I mean, it's it's just it's insane to think about just even the thought that Northwestern could pull four four star defensive ends in the same class. Three, which is where we currently stand, is already like we're all having difficulty processing that this has happened, um, but. And, and, you know, it's, it's like ultimately PJ needs to make the, the right decision for him personally. We're going to say that Northwestern's the right decision for every guy because Northwestern's a magical place all the time. We hope that his brother has loved the experience that he's had there. And, and we'll see. And there are a couple of other guys, too. Um, but, you know, the other thing, the, dis- the geographic distribution of this class is just incredible. Guys from yeah. everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere. And guys from everywhere who had offers from the schools in the states that they're from. The top mm-hmm. schools, right? We have all these guys with top Arizona school offers, right, who came out of Arizona. Um, guys with Miami offers coming out of Florida. Um, and, you know, and again, a guy with a Texas offer coming out of Texas. So it's it's all it's all just incredible, and it's pumping a lot of good feels into this football team again and again and again. Yeah, so, you know, we're getting real, real close to uh, the start of our offseason previews. Um, for those of you who are new to the uh, podcast, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Um, tell a friend. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, give us a review. Uh, WestlotPirates.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from from everyone. Uh, e- email us, WestlotPirates at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, at WestlotPirates. Um, but yes, welcome. And uh, you know, every year we preview not only every single team in the Big Ten, uh, but also, you know, the non-conference teams on Northwestern schedule. Uh, usually we do them chronologically. Um, you know, we start off with the teams that Northwestern does not play in the Big Ten. And then we just go down the schedule. So over the next several weeks, uh, we'll be previewing uh, Nebraska, our non-conference slate of Duke, 
Southern Illinois and Miami of Ohio. And then we'll get into the Big Ten schedule or the rest of the Big Ten schedule, I guess, with uh, that Ireland game happening so early. Um, and, you know, that's going to be starting, you know, in a couple of weeks. So we really, really hope that uh, you tune in. Um, each each podcast, each team will be on its own podcast. So if you want to co- go back and, you know, on, during game week, if you want to come see what we talked about or what we thought about each team in the summer, uh, you're able to do that really, really quickly and easily. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah. And it's like we, so like Sam was saying, for, for a lot of you who are listening, you know this well, you know that we've been doing these things for a decade, right? And that for those of you who don't know, again, it's like, will I say that, that, you know, that we're perfectly predicting every team every year? No, we're not. Um, we're, you know, is there one team in the Big Ten West other than Nebraska that we absolutely absolutely predict perfectly every year? Yes, there is. But we, <laughs> but we don't do that. But, you know, it's not like we do that for every team. But what we do do is put um, a crazy amount of effort into these. We really take pride in this. Um, for those of you who don't know, you know, we kind of... I'll go over the defense, Scuzz will go over the offense, we'll go back and forth, we'll talk about a team, you know, Sam takes us through the schedule, we go through everything, um, and we really put a lot of effort into these things. And if you're looking for kind of a Big Ten-centric primer, just to, to prepare for the season as a whole and be like, okay, what is the entire lay of the land in the Big Ten right now, and how does it affect Northwestern? That's what we're trying to deliver to you. We put a lot of effort into it, and we hope that it allows you the entire summer to kind of take it a week by week and get a little taste of college football at a really deep level every year and just get you more and more and more stoked for the regular season. Yeah, and and like you say, you know, we're not perfect. We're not in these rooms. We're only telling you what we see. And, you know, are we wrong sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. See last year. See uh, <laughs> Indiana last year. <laughs> yeah. See Northwestern last year. Right. Um, you know, we're, we, we are who we are. You know, we're three Northwestern fans, you know, taking a look at the rest of the conference with purple tinted glasses uh, typically. But, you know, we're realistic, I think. And, you know, definitely keep that in mind this year. And, um, we, and you know, we've – and again, we've been tracking all these teams for so long. So it's like we're always – Every one of these previews we do, we are evaluating the three or four or five years that we were looking closely at the team that led us to that point and what it all means. And, you know, right. We just we put a lot of effort into these and we really hope that you guys get something out of it. Yeah, so that's going to be starting up in uh, just a couple of weeks. Um, We may or may not be back next week, uh, depending on again on travel. Um, You know, we're all sort of out and about. Uh, doing family vacations and whatnot. Um, I think Scuzz has a couple seminars for Bama fans scheduled next year where he'll kind of walk them through the process. You know, here's <laughs> how you make recruiting work for you, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so before we go, I uh, do want to shout out uh, Jared Thomas, all USFL center for, uh, for New Orleans Breakers. Um, so congratulations to him. That's super, super cool. Uh, have to say I, I did not keep up on the USFL this year. So um, I, I, I did to the extent that I was following Northwestern guys. Um, and Thomas was great. He was, um, 
he was, yeah, one of the best offensive linemen. Certainly, I would say the best center in the USFL. The one other thing that I wanted to make really apparent, though, is Gunnar Vogel was awesome this year for the Philadelphia Stars. He just got hurt with two games left. So I think, obviously, especially with a limited schedule, guys who can go wire to wire are going to have that leg up when the postseason awards come around. I just want to make it clear, Northwestern put two offensive linemen in the USFL, and they both did great. Um, They both had great seasons. Any reports on any of the other guys? I, I know Thorson had some struggles at times. Yeah, Thorson was kind of up and down. I mean, he did not have the greatest USFL season. Um, uh, and frankly, the Houston Gamblers were rough. Just top yeah. to bottom, top to bottom. That team had, a, had issues everywhere on the ball. Uh it became very clear very quickly that was not going to be one of the best teams in the USFL. Whereas the Breakers had a pretty strong season. Um, and but uh, and then Jordan Thompson, you know, I I was bummed. And this was that, that kind of piece of the USFL where it is pro football and it's a hard road for guys trying to make it in the league. And for whatever reason... He, you know, I think there was a roster change or something like that. And he was, you know, he just was replaced after a certain point. And it was one of those things where, again, it was like someone just made a a decision, a business decision at some point. And I think without even getting a full season to really show what he was bringing to the team, it was one of those things where you're just like, what's, you know, what are you doing here? Especially since it became clear just how thin these rosters were and that Jordan Thompson basically played every single snap the first week. So, you know, it's the, it is the hard and the rough side of pro football. And it's just one of those things that goes to show you, you know, the wild, the Northwestern cats, those four guys who we mentioned who played this entire season, they went out there and they gave absolutely everything for the ability to continue to play football and grow as football players. They weren't making big money, right? But they're they're out there. They're giving it their all, and they're taking maximum advantage every of every opportunity in a in a pro game of an offshoot of a league that is going to do them no favors and give them you know little support. So again, it's super impressive and super you know just all the respect in the world for those guys. Um, Jared Thomas, congratulations! But all the respect to all these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And you know who knows what uh, NFL teams are looking at that. I mean, I. In every iteration of a spring football league so far, the AAF, the XFL 2.0, uh, and now with the USFL, uh, players have gone from these leagues to the NFL uh, every year and been major contributors. So, right. you know, spring like spring football is something that I like. The NFL really needs to get behind. Like, if they can, if the NFL can get behind mm-hmm. uh, a spring football league and really turn it into like a developmental league, like what used to be the uh, NFL Europe and the World League of American Football. Um, yeah, that it's such a great proving ground. You know, it gives guys who would be practice squad guys or even bubble practice squad guys, guys who may not get a second look, gives them a chance to get out there in real meaningful snaps. Yep. And, you know, you're, you're able to, like Kurt Warner, for example, you get Hall of Famers who come out of these, you know, minor leagues. Um you know, it's not a minor league, not officially the minor leagues per se, but, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for guys who would not be getting a second look in the NFL right away to showcase themselves. 
and you know you show out at the at this level, then guaranteed one of these thirty-two NFL teams will at least bring you in for a training camp, give you a look, you know, give you a tryout. And I, I think all these guys who, you know, played as well as they did, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Jared Thomas in some NFL training camp this year. Right. And, you know, one of the other things to, to fold into it, and don't think this doesn't matter because it does. Jared Thomas and Gunnar Vogel walk out of this USFL season knowing they can play professional football for as long as they want to. Right. Will it be in the NFL? We would love if it is. If it isn't, right, there's no USFL team that's going to be like, either the Philadelphia Stars are going to be like, Gunnar Vogel, why don't you come on back and continue to be our left tackle? Otherwise, another team's grabbing him. And obviously, Jared Thomas is in the exact same situation. So fold that in with the fact that we maybe have the best left tackle in the NFL right now. and He's up there. And we probably have the best left tackle in college football right now. Uh, and all indications, yeah. Yeah, and that Northwestern's cranking out offensive linemen right now. So, you know, it's it's it speaks to the development of, of these guys at the program and, you know, the work that Kurt Warner's doing. I mean, that Kurt Warner. <laughs> that Kurt Anderson. Yeah. You got Kurt Warner in my head. That Kurt Anderson's yeah, doing right now. Um, but, uh, you know, just a lot of offensive linemen showing out. But again, you know, these guys put in the hard work to, to voyage down a hard road of a satellite professional football league. And a couple of them really made it work for themselves. So, you know, congrats to those guys. Uh, anything else to mention before we get out here tonight? No, just like, again, it's reflecting again on the softball season, especially with that news we got right before we started the pod of just this unbelievable core that's coming back. And then just, again, just being like, we, Usually there's inevitably that period as we get farther into the spring where it's like, okay, we catch our breath for a little bit and then make the pivot. And this year was like, nope, just riding high, going all in on this unbelievable softball team right up through the College World Series um, and and then immediately making that pivot. And now here we are like rocking and rolling with football. So, you know, we hope a lot of you really came along for as much of that journey with the softball team and, and, and really through the whole spring and with lacrosse too. Um, we hope that a lot of you came along for as much of that as possible, but we know that a lot of you are just, it's football time and you want to rock and roll and, and, you know, we see our numbers jump and, you know, we know football is football and we go all out for this. So yeah, we'll, they'll start dropping. I think we're, you know, without spoiling anything, we'll probably put a big one right off the top for you. Um, and, and we'll get right into these things. Just get, get your beak wet right off the bat. Right. Uh, so we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates. Email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlot Brown Field playing the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.